Killing Eve, Season 3, Episode 2, Management Sucks, is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps, talking about Killing Eve, our second week on the Killing Eve beat. I'm Josh Wiggler, here with Jessica Lease, just a couple of clowns talking about nonsense. Yeah, you know, Josh, I feel like you and I probably wouldn't be the greatest birthday clowns anyone ever hired, but at least we'd know not to put helium in the animal balloons. Probably a bad idea. Uh, is that popular anymore? Do people, do like kids still like, uh, <laughs> do kids still fuck with helium? What the hell? <laughs> um, so I don't know. I guess the question remains. <laughs> oh, that's going to be that kind of podcast. <laughs> well, just the way that you and I tend to do these things, we often do podcast on the later side of a day, and this is the tail end of a three podcast day for your boy. So uh, I guess maybe I am the one who has fucked with some helium, so to speak. Uh, I don't think you need helium. <laughs> I don't know. Did you not, when you were a kid, like mess around with helium? You're like, yeah, listen to how my voice sounds. It sounds like this all of a sudden. Blah, 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 blah. I imagine kids I are still doing that now, no? I mean, it's still probably just as entertaining as it was back in the day. I yeah. personally have never done that. Never, so. ever? Oh, never, yes. ever. Uh, it's not too late, unless science advises against it, in which case, uh, I don't know. I guess I haven't been staying true to the helium beat uh, these days. Uh, back in the day, yeah, I effed with helium for sure. Oh, well. I mean, you probably got invited to a lot more parties. Uh, I feel like I'd be all right as a birthday clown. Yeah, I think you'd do pretty well. I have to, I'd have to go to clown school. I'm not, I'm not just going to roll up, you know, assuming that I can do this, but... I feel like I could do well in clown school. Uh, there's a lot of like the juggling stuff that I don't think that I'd be good at. Yeah, well, you need to. I, I mean, first of all, it's a college, not a school. Sorry, Josh, you I get apologize. an actual degree. I apologize. I apologize. Um, but I don't think you have to juggle. I think that's an elective. I don't think it's you like need a speciality. To... Yeah, yeah, you could be any type of clown, I yeah. suppose. Uh, but. Um, I don't even know. Do kids still get clowns at their birthdays? I don't the know. Other question you tell me. Is George going to be a clown kid or is he not? I, I'm pretty sure we are not ever hiring a clown, even <laughs> if George wants one. Well, now you know better because you've watched Killing Eve season three, episode two. Uh, and step aside, Joker. The deadliest clown in town has arrived. Villanelle in clown getup. Uh, obviously, this is the image that if you go to posterrecaps.com right now, you can see a big hunkin' image of Villanelle as a clown on the website uh, when we uh, tweeted out uh, earlier that we would be recording our Killing Eve podcast on Monday. We posted a gif of uh, Villanelle as a clown screaming at the camera as she does at a bunch of little kids at one point here. And your friend in mine, the great Rob Sesternino with a great fear of clowns, not thrilled with the gif and I'm sure not thrilled with the image on the site. Well, I enjoyed your retort to him um, when he said, what are you trying to do to me? You said, that's an excellent question that we'll get into on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. What are we trying to do to Rob? We're trying to give you content, man. We're trying to uh, bolster the feed, dude, and trying to lightly traumatize you with some clown imagery. Look, we are doing him a favor. We're desensitizing him. The next time he sees a, a creepy clown that's going to kill somebody... 
it won't be as bad. All right. So we're talking Killing Eve, Season 3, Episode 2. Of course, you can always send feedback into us, killingeve at posterrecaps.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Round Howard. Jess is at Haymaker Hattie. Uh, And let's let's dive into this because I think, I don't know, I, I think that a lot of where the story went this week kind of like natural directions based on what we had seen last week, right? Like a lot of this is like natural follow through on a lot of what Kenny's death was setting up for us. Um, And just like sort of like the details of how we would get from that being point A to whatever like point C was going to be. What was B in the middle? Uh, And that's like the funeral. uh, And that's the the expansion of the bitter pill universe. But eventually we always knew that we were going to be getting somehow from Eve back to Carolyn. And that seems to be happening by the end of the episode. Yeah, it was like last episode was just here's where everybody is now. And now we're going to give them something and now they're going to go and here's where they're going. Right. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it was basically like Kenny's death is going to activate Eve. It's going to activate Carolyn. They just need to get like reactivated together. And that seems like that's starting to happen. And that's great because now the season can like actually be what it's probably going to be, which is like a deep dive into the 12. And that's pretty neat. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I would say they are really doing a great job of pointing out all of the reasons why Eve would not just pick up the mantle right where she left off. Um, Because I think they spent enough time this episode establishing like how angry Eve is at Carolyn. And not letting Carolyn off the hook for that because lesser espionage properties would not go there. Yeah. And would not let you be mad and sit with your feelings. And like, we should all be pretty mad at Carolyn too. Like, I know she's had a hard time lately and I feel bad for her because we all liked Kenny too. But yeah, the unmitigated gall of being like, you have to look into this for me. Like, Eve is like, I don't have to do anything because of what you did to me in Rome. That was pretty crappy and we're gonna let her be mad but also the the thing pulling on the other end of that string is this tantalizing mystery and the need to solve it and find resolution is just gonna yank her right back in and i thought that the two opposing forces here i really felt that struggle i i really liked this episode a lot uh for a lot of reasons but i mean the big reason that people i think uh, are as drawn into Killing Eve as they are is the interplay, whether it's on screen or off, between Eve and Villanelle. And this week kind of brought the two of them back into the same orbit in a manner of speaking, where they're both like made aware of each other again. Um, and Carolyn's going to come to Eve and try to like be like, listen, you and I both know Kenny didn't kill himself. Uh, I have to be very careful about how I go into this, but that's my son, and I know you care. And Eve is the one trying to be like, listen, I really feel for you. I absolutely do. Basically saying exactly what you just said, Jess. So it's like, mm-hmm. I get it. Like that's I'm so sorry about Kenny, and he was my friend too, uh, but you're horrible, and I'm not working for you. And Carolyn doing sort of the Carolyn thing of you know doing that you know spy manipulation thing that she does so well of being like, uh, here's a picture of a person who was murdered in a manner that is very similar to the way that Villanelle would do things. She's back. She's working. We thought maybe she was killed or maybe she'd been apprehended because she's been dead silent ever since the shooting. But she's out there. And Eve 
kind of doesn't want it to have anything to do with that. She wants she she doesn't really care that that is, uh, you know, being dangled in front of her. Um, meanwhile, at the end of the episode, we're going to get a reunion between Villanelle and Constantine, which always makes me so happy. Uh, the Constantine and Villanelle relationship is one of my favorite dynamics on the show. Uh, and he's going to show up and give her the news of uh, Eve is still alive. And Villanelle, the way she reacts to that is like kind of like she can't believe it. She's kind of like, you know, shooting down the possibilities. Like, no, I killed her. It's not possible. Constantine has the great line of like, you get angry, you run away without checking if the person is actually dead. It's like, yeah, that actually happened. We saw that happen once before when she ran over her friend (laughs) in season one and drove like ran over her twice. It just assumed that did the job, but she was fine. And just in a Russian prison afterwards. Um, Well, here's the funny thing about that, Josh is there are the kills that Villanelle makes as part of her job. And then there are the kills that Villanelle attempts out of wanting to kill someone. And the kills she does as part of her job are always perfectly executed. Yeah. And really, like, clean and clinical. And she checks all of the, you know, she dots all the I's and crosses all the T's. And, like, we saw it last episode, and we talked about this on the last podcast. She made sure that the person was dead. By, you know, checking to make sure they're still breathing, they were not breathing anymore, and then goes right out and it turns out that the person she killed for her own self rather than killing because it's her job, she's really not great at that. Right. Both times she's, we've seen her do it. Yeah, I think when uh, it, it's like the old uh, Luke Skywalker deal of like when the force makes you mad and you use the force, for the, that's what happens, right? You go off off script. You know, when she goes off script from being an assassin into someone who's just like lashing out and killing out of anger, both times she's she's done it. Uh, it hasn't really worked out the exact right way. So I thought it was really interesting that Eve seemingly is like, I can't have any Villanelle in my life and I'm not interested in knowing more. And Villanelle, like you could tell by the way that the episode ends where she's like, I know you're full of shit. Uh, like, I know none of this is real. Uh, and like the sound is like sort of starting to drown out from Constantine, and we're just like focused on Jodie Comer's face as Villanelle. She's like, "Eat the last three. <laughs> you can just tell. <laughs> like she's like, "Oh, I got to get back into that." So um, that's an exciting little tease that that we end on. And obviously, we're two episodes deep, and the the Eve and Villanelle stuff has been pretty quiet and slow and measured. And I wonder like what the relationship for them is going to be thematically this year. Like if season one was sort of the meet cute. And season two was sort of the relationship. Is this like how you handle a breakup? Is that what season three is going to be? Are you suggesting that we're following all the same beats as How I Met Your Mother? <laughs> is that how it worked on How I Met Your Mother? Season one was like a meet cute and they were and they established like we're not getting together. And then in season two, the end of season one, they did get together. Season two was their relationship. They break up at the end of season two and then our awkward exes for season three. And it's a hundred percent how that works. And then, like, what happens next? Like, could we track the whole arc of Killing Eve potentially by mapping it uh, onto How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, that would mean that it would go on for about six more seasons mm-hmm. than we need. And then at the end of season nine, the end game was Eve and Villanelle all along. Right. Uh, spoilers for a show that's been <laughs> off the air for almost ten years now. Um, it, it would the end game was even Villanelle needed to get together, right. but they don't get to do it until they're old. Yeah, like the final scene too, right? 
Yep. Yeah. Final scene. Okay. All right. Well, so maybe. Well, that speaks. Uh, that sounds implausible. That uh, at least Villanelle is going to reach old age. I think, but uh, I guess we'll see. So that's that's one of the storylines that's happening in the episode, and then a lot of the rest of it is dealing with. Uh, like the direct fallout from what happened with Kenny. Um, like the whole first act is basically built around the funeral. Um, and it's weird to say that a funeral for a beloved character produces great comedy, but it does. <laughs> like there's some funny stuff happening here in this, uh, in this funeral scene. Yeah. I mean, we get, we get Eve not being able to work a door twice, which I thought was wonderful. <laughs> it's pull, by the way. And then, yeah. and then with Carolyn, it's push, by the way, it was really, really great. That was great. That was very funny. Yep. And we have like, it's the, like the worst bar in the world where this wake is being held, I guess, yeah. um, where nobody should eat any of the snacks. Mm-hmm. And apparently the only thing on offer at the bar is straight hard liquor and their booze. Yeah, and everybody's shocked when somebody gets too drunk off that. Yeah, uh, Constantine gets a double shot of vodka, not because he's Russian, but because it works. I thought it was funny. Uh, Constantine and Eve hanging out. That's the first time in a little while that the two of them have been in the same room, I think. Um, certainly because Constantine you know, is going to report this to Villanelle later, that like I saw Eve with my own two eyes today. Yeah, or, or that was... Like, yeah, I, I assumed we needed to see him there. and. To get that whole arc. And I love how we brought in. This is how we introduce two new characters at this funeral. And one of them, I thought in particular, was a really interesting way to bring her into the fold. We meet Geraldine, who is Carolyn's other child that she's never mentioned up till now. Yes. And not to Yara Yara through it. But of course, (laughs) uh, Gemma Whalen, a.k.a. Yara Greyjoy of Game of Thrones. Somebody who has a lot of experience playing um neglected siblings yes yes so she's she's got that Greyjoy baggage to to bring to the table here she seems a lot happier than yara Greyjoy, even given the circumstances she just seems like a brighter person yeah she is it, it was interesting because it took me a second to register that that was who it was just because it's such a different character mm-hmm. yeah she's good i i mean i she really reads as uh as fiona shaw's daughter uh, the relationship between Carolyn and, and Geraldine, even like uh, the way that Carolyn is talking to Geraldine at the funeral uh, and, you know, like telling her to like uh, get the music changed. Uh, Can't we be sad and listen to good music is a good line. Uh, I, I thought that it felt it felt very much like um, shades of the relationship between Carolyn and Kenny of just sort of like being the boss in every room that she's in uh, and having that translate to to her other kid makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I liked that we can establish who Geraldine is right away by having her talk to Constantine first and having her realize that she met him when she was little. Monster Watch. Yeah, Monster Watch. Uh, I think maybe we're looking at a spinoff here. <laughs> Listen, if we want to do like young Constantine and Monster Watch as like an animated series spinoff of Killing Eve. Sign me up. Very here for that. I mean, we're getting Star Trek Lower Decks as an animated series, so why not? Yeah, I don't know what the Killing Evelets, I don't know, uh, are like... Uh, Lil Eve. Lil Eve's. <laughs> yeah, I would do Little Eve's. That sounds like a fun show. Yeah, I, I think it, it's it's a great... It's, you know, get the children into the Killing Eve universe. Yeah, could be good. Could be good. Uh, so Geraldine's showing up. Uh, we'll have a couple of scenes with her and Constantine. We have this first one where... Uh, 
he taught her how to swear in Russian. Um, I, I forgot the name of the, I forgot the word that he taught her. Um, but she repeats it and he cracks up and they both have a great moment about that. And later he's going to, uh, be with her when, when she, um, when he buys the magnet or he gives her the magnet and clearly the magnet is a spy magnet as most magnets probably are. Yep. I, I figured that was a thing that was happening and I, I, I struggled with how much of this is going to be calculated then. Like he must have decided earlier that he was going to slip this bug into Carolyn's house. Yeah. And so how much of that meeting, like none of that could have been by chance. Yeah. He's still working for the 12. And so, you know, obviously the 12, you know, was responsible for Kenny's death. And as such, they are going to be invested in what's coming next for, you know, Kenny's family, considering who he was connected to. Um, so it makes sense that they would have uh, they would have Constantine try and uh, get the twelve to have better ears on what's going on inside of Carolyn's home. Um, so that makes sense. I think maybe the if if it's Constantine on the other end listening in, I guess we don't know if it's like Constantine is listening in or did Constantine just plant a bug that the rest of the twelve are now able to access. But if it's Constantine and if he hears something that could get Carolyn in danger, I think we have enough reason to believe at this point that Constantine might risk a little something extra for Carolyn, right? Like they do seem close enough that maybe he would break ranks with the 12 to, to help her out. Yeah, it, it seems like it. We, we got a question um, to this effect, actually. Um, we had an interesting theory. I think it was on Twitter. Yeah, it was Bill on Twitter. At yeah, Bill on Twitter. Bill. Yeah. Yep. He asked us if we thought it's possible that Carolyn is one of the 12. Yeah. I think that we don't really know what the 12 is yet other than their, you know, uh, high profile shadow organization. I don't know how you can be both a high profile and shadow organization, but they somehow managed <laughs> to pull it off and make it look good, too. Uh, we don't know what, what the leadership looks like. We do have that that conversation that we referenced last week um, between Villanelle and Eve all the way back in the first season where she says, if if you go all the way high enough in the food chain, we probably work for the same people. Uh, feels like that is a fairly good nod to the idea that Carolyn and Constantine are both part of the 12 in some capacity. Um, so I buy it. I think that the show will have to explain it in a way that would uh, that would be a little more satisfying. I don't, I don't know. I think it would be a hard one to pull off, but I think that the show can pull it off. Yeah, I think it's hard to figure out if she's one of the 12, then why does Constantine need to bug her? Right. That's a, that's a good point in favor of that not being the case. Yeah. And why is she so, I mean, I can imagine that Carolyn is involved in the 12's origin story makes a lot of sense to me. Like uh, something that Carolyn was involved in once upon a time helped lead to either the creation or proliferation of the 12. Right, like something that she did in one of her spy missions once upon a time directly contributed to the twelve's present actions or their present um position of power uh that would make a lot more sense to me, or maybe she was she was twelve and she got to walk away uh that could make and some sense then too. she somehow gets to work for m i six undisturbed after I don't think the twelve is something you necessarily are able to walk away from, yeah, it'd be hard to pull off um so I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Geraldine being A, the daughter of Carolyn, and B, being played by Yara Greyjoy herself. 
any chance that she is some sort of secret spy. No, it seems like she's actually pretty far removed from all things spy. I, I imagine Kenny was the child that showed interest in Mummy's work, and therefore Kenny is the one who gets hired by Carolyn and works for him. And I would imagine that perhaps Geraldine went the other direction. I think she wants as little to do with the family business as possible. And I also think she did something hella dumb this episode that anybody who's a secret super spy would not have done. Yeah, though, uh, your friend and mine, Antonio Mazzaro, he and I are currently podcasting about Better Call Saul. And there has been a storyline where a very, very smart criminal has been leaning into some self-sabotage in order to preserve cover, basically. Uh, So could it be something like that? I mean, if Constantine's mission is to bug Carolyn's house and somehow maybe like Geraldine is hooked into that, do they go to Constantine because it's too dangerous to go to Geraldine so they have him give her the bug to put in the house? Like if she's like really, really isolated... Um, this is like my deep, deep 24 brain that's starting to come out. Yeah, you're getting a little galaxy brain with this, Josh. I, I tend to do that when it comes to like spy jinx. Uh, mm-hmm. So that may happen here on Killing Eve a little bit. That's a smarter show than 24 in a lot of ways. Uh, but I'm on Mole Patrol, as I always have to be on shows like these. So I'm on Mole Patrol with Geraldine. I've got my eye on Geraldine. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know what that would. I I just try to think. It doesn't seem like the interactions that she's had with Constantine do not suggest to me that there's anything hinky going on with the two of them. Yeah. And the mere fact that she takes a gift from somebody she barely knows and brings it inside her house when her mother is a spy really does not say to me that she inherited the spy gene. Yeah. Got to take care of that spy gene. It's very important. Yeah, good spy gene is is of the essence. Um, We also meet Jamie and Bear from Bitter Pill. I think we'd already kind of met Bear uh, through Kenny, um, but Jamie is the is the founder of of Bitter Pill, uh, and uh, he really lays into Eve in a pretty great way. Like he's just kind of relentless to Eve in their first scene together. Uh, I I like these two characters. I hope that these are these are mainstays for the season. Uh, they both seem to be very interested in what happened to Kenny. Uh, they whether it's because of like you know solidarity with someone who they loved and respected a lot as a colleague who's now suddenly gone, and they don't believe the cover story that it was a suicide. They believe that there's something darker here. But they're already, like, funny characters. They're clever. They take, like, the shot in the dark that Eve has Kenny's phone. Uh, I, I really like the dynamic between Jamie and Eve so far. Yeah, he is such a douche, though. Totally. And I feel like we are maybe being set up... And this is not one of my favorite tropes in fiction. Like the people that are like the dude that is just a douche to you on first meeting and kind of negs you. So you feel adversarial toward him, but then the spark of hate turns into some kind of other spark. I feel like that might be what we're sort of being set up for. I hope not. Uh, And I really, I want to think that this show is smarter than that. I agree. I hope that the show is smart enough to know that Jamie, if anything, should become another one of Carolyn's myriad lovers. Uh, <laughs> like, sooner than Jamie becoming in a relationship with Eve or anything like that, 
that Jamie just becomes one of Carolyn's like thousands of booty calls. <laughs> well, and I love I would love that we if we got a scene again where like Eve is at Carolyn's house trying to do spy business and then Jamie just like walks through in a towel. Yeah, that would be fantastic. That would be tremendous. That would be great. Uh, but Eve's got Eve's got Kenny's phone and Bitter Pill has Kenny's thumb drive. Right. So it's like, how do we come to the table and figure out how to do this exchange? And Eve doesn't quite feel comfortable enough with Bitter Pill yet. Or she's just still too nervous to to get too close to the 12, given everything that's happened to her. And now Kenny's dead. Like, she just doesn't want to go in any deeper but she makes the choice to go to Carolyn after like she and Carolyn had already had their sort of uh, two face offs uh, throughout the episode. Uh, and now they have the third one, the first when Eve is blisteringly drunk and the final one when Eve comes to Carolyn and it seems like Carolyn is the one who's drunk, uh, but in a place to accept Eve uh, back into, into her home at least. Um, so that's how the team up is starting to happen. And uh, I think that our possible, uh, Carolyn and Bitter Pill guy coming together. You could see it starting to make some sense. Yep. It seems like all of the players are on the board in a place that we can see where the connections might start to happen. Um, the, the whole Carolyn storyline this week, Fiona Shaw is obviously awesome. And I think that like, because of the structure of killing Eve, it's very easy to just like, bow at the altar of of Eve and Villanelle and Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer. Um, I think that one of the great opportunities, which is a weird thing to assign to the death of a character that you really like, of Kenny's death, is that it opens up some new shades of Carolyn and some new notes for Fiona Shaw to get to play. And like I loved the scene of her eating her like many sandwiches in the car. What a British thing. I've got my sandwiches. I've got like so many sandwiches. Uh, and she's well. You can go into like any store in Britain. Yeah, like you could go into any like pharmacy and buy like a pharmacy sandwich and like eat it in your car and or eat it on the tube or eat it while you totally. walk. I I just love and I love that we have pret a manger now in the states where you can just like buy triangular sandwiches in a little container and you don't have to order them. You could just like pick it up and purchase it. And I, I'm a big fan of that. Is that how it's pronounced, pret a manger? Yeah, Pret-a-Manger. I'm a heathen. French. I just I go to the Pret-a-Manger. Pret-a-Manger. Mm-hmm. God, which one of us is in Montana right now? <laughs> I'm in New York, but I'm not getting much cultural exposure anymore. So, <laughs> so I, I'm still saying Pret-a-Manger. I guess now I know. Uh, I appreciate you schooling me. Well, now they're definitely never going to advertise with us. Uh-uh. No, we blew it. We blew our one shot that we had. <laughs> oh, but she's in the car. And she's eating the sandwiches. And, like, she can't go into work because uh, Paul, her her boss, who is like, I might be, like, a self-righteous douchebag. That's totally possible. In fact, it's likely. Like, I may be a self-serving prick, but, like, your son died. You shouldn't be coming to work. Uh, and she's obviously like still coming to work and like she doesn't care that her her blouse is like buttoned weird like she likes it she says uh and like she's not being allowed to do her thing like she's being handcuffed she also feels like she has to be very delicate with the situation with Kenny and the 12 because she's his mother and also it's the 12 uh, and she she needs to be careful about how to proceed but also she's his mother he was her son uh and we talked about before uh, last week, we talked about um, 
that line that Carolyn has where she like tells Eve, like, I can't get like too angry because I get sleepy. Like there's like this emotionlessness to her uh, that is they're pushing the envelope on. And obviously they have to because of what's happened to her. But I think in a very Carolyn way where Carolyn, like Fiona Shaw just has like tears kind of brimming in her eyes in the car, but they never trickle down. It's just like such good controlled acting. I was I was mesmerized by it. Yeah, she she does an amazing job and you can definitely like feel where she's coming from with every choice that she makes. Yeah. And I'm speaking like I know anything about acting. <laughs> I for someone who has a job where I talk about television, I really know frighteningly little about acting. Um listen, uh I am a theater minor. Uh uh, so obviously I know a lot. Uh, just today, Jess, I uh, tweeted out uh, the full lyrics to a song from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat from memory. So clearly I know a thing or two about acting. And I can tell you, with, with Syracuse University branded authority, that that's some fine acting that we're getting from Fiona Shaw right now. Yeah, I don't really know acting. I just know what I like, and I like that. It was very good. It was very good. So I'm I'm really excited to see where things go with Carolyn this season. I thought that this episode, like this episode, wasn't like a huge mountain mover by any stretch of the imagination, but um, a deepening of what already happened at the end of the first episode and like consequences of the first episode. I think setting us up in a cool direction for the rest of the season. Um, and that's without even talking about everything going on with Villanelle in Barcelona and her fantastic fabulous new house oh my god to be quarantined there that is the best house i've ever seen on television it's glorious yeah and like villanelle's not gonna fully appreciate it either no no chance no chance uh yeah villanelle is always about like buying new things and getting new stuff and like enjoying material possessions but always getting bored by stuff she's gonna get bored of that house and five minutes and it's so frustrating because that house yeah. is the best oh my yeah. god it's the best hey have you ever been to Bar- barcelona no Josh? no i really want to go oh you must go yeah hopefully it someday is. hopefully some of the best food i've ever had in my life i hear that barcelona. i hear that routinely um emily went to madrid a couple of years ago uh with some friends um i i went to spain when i was a kid uh and couldn't appreciate it um i'm dying to go back to spain Another, you know, Killing Eve, great travel show. Uh, so like that in, intense yep. travel envy that we're all feeling right now. Uh, Killing Eve really scratched that with, with Barcelona, a place that I've just been desperate to go to for a long, long time. Yeah, I, w- I would love to go back. I always said I would go back as soon as they finished Sagrada Familia. So kind of still waiting on that. Even the uh, even like the scene of, of, of Villanelle and Dasha in like the middle of like the, the plaza that they're in. And they're like, oh, yeah, I think they're in Las Ramblas. Oh, that looked fun. That looked great. Uh, Philadelphia, like, this is a nice neighborhood. This <laughs> was really, really, really great. Yeah. Um, all right, so she's going to be, she wants to be a keeper. She wants to be, you know, really high up in the 12. And so in order to continue her management training, she needs to go link up with somebody else who they are going to, to send her on a trip uh, to France with Felix. Uh, Felix is this new kid who uh, needs to become uh, part of the 12 or he's being trained to become part of the 12 
and Villanelle and him are going to go on an assignment together. Uh, Felix to prove himself to the organization and Villanelle to prove that she has patience and responsibility. And Villanelle says, I have neither, <laughs> which is good. Uh, what did you think of the whole Felix storyline? Well, it's interesting. We were talking earlier about um, the idea of Villanelle when she uses the force to her own personal ends, it doesn't go well. So it's interesting that they gave her a Padawan this episode. Yeah. You're just and missing the braid. Yeah. All he needs, like, Ed, you know, he was looking trashy enough. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had a rat tail. Yeah. He just looked like, he looked like a little, like, European Justin Bieber. Uh, the funniest, one of the funniest lines in recent Killing Eve history for me is when she just looks at him and goes, What are you, 10? And he goes, I'm 19. I'm tough. I have five older brothers. <laughs> I beat them all up. Uh, Felix. Felix was he sounds great. like he's talking about his girlfriend who lives in Canada. He really does. He really does. It rattles off the list. I've killed loads of times. I uh, killed the bully and his sister and, and his father and his cousin and his best friend and his uncle and his dance teacher and his grandma. And then he says, and they were all in the same car. Uh... This this was great. I think that this was a great example of something that Killing Eve does really well is they bring a character in for a very short period of time, uh, literally just for two scenes in the case of Felix, and they make them feel like such like a fully realized, lived-in character, uh, where Felix felt like he could have had legs for many, many episodes. Felix felt to me like somebody who could be Villanelle's Padawan for the rest of the season, and instead... The two of these bozos just dress up like clowns and go to the clown party, and he botches the hit as so she shoots him in the head. <laughs> it's just well, oh, honestly, yeah, he did feel like a really fully realized character. But this instant I saw him, I'm like, oh, that kid is toast. There is no way Villanelle <laughs> tolerates him for more than one episode. Yeah. But she liked him to a certain extent. Once he started talking about he killed the bully because the bully had beaten up Felix's boyfriend. Uh, and he says, I was in love. Uh, and when you love someone and they don't love you back, it's it's worse than... I don't even know what it's worse than. And then Villanelle says, shit. It's worse than shit. Uh, and like Villanelle's connecting with this kid because like she's you know pinning that back on everything that was going on with Leah Blastery. Uh, like she feels it, she feels it very much, but it doesn't stop her from shooting the poor guy in the head. Much like how last season, when she was recovering from being stabbed, she just killed the guy. You know, yeah, <laughs> who she, that poor kid. She liked him a lot, but she's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to go through life without an eye, so I guess I'll just kill him. Yeah, that was that was a rough one. Um, but I honestly like that kid had it coming. He had he talked a pretty good game at the beginning, but. You could kind of sense on him that he was not in it for the right reasons, uh, to coin a phrase from a another show in our podcasting orbit. Um, he just didn't seem like you couldn't envision this kid going in and stabbing someone in the back of the head with a sharp object. Yeah, yeah. She says, make it clinical, make it clean. And instead he improvises and just is like bashing this guy's head into the ground. And that's not going to do the job by Villanelle's standards, so she she puts an end to both of them pretty quickly. Well, she did say, she did warn him, if you make me look bad, I'm going to kill you. Yes. And he made her look bad, so she killed him. She lived up to her word. Um, Villanelle, whether or not you want to say she looked good or looked bad, she looked unforgettable as a clown. 
Uh, Villanelle as a clown, instantly iconic. Some of these things take time. Some moments are instantly iconic. This may be one of them. How do we even go forward from here, Josh? Like, yeah. is, this peak, is this peak travel murder absurdity here? I don't How know. How are we going to top this? I are we know. ever going to top it? I don't know. I don't know. I think, like, when we look back and Killing Eve is nearing the end of the line and we start doing the, um, the, the rankings of all of Killing Eve's uh, many Villanelle adventures and, like, all of the times Villanelle went on a mission to assassinate somebody. I think her dressing up a cl- as a clown has to be pretty high up. Um, the, the, like, the pleasure is pain palace from season one, the guy in Germany uh, that they referenced last week, I yeah. think. Uh, that's pretty good, too, but Villanelle as a clown, that's some next-level shit. I guess it's sort of like the the zombie in the well on Herschel Green's farm. Right. We never got weirder or grosser than that. Right. Like we got and, weird and gross. Oh yeah. So we could still get pretty weird and gross on Killing Eve. Yeah. And maybe we do never top this, but we can still be excited about what's to come. Yeah. I, I loved that. I thought that was fantastic. Um what else from this episode? Anything else? Uh well I just I just think it's interesting that um my question would be do we think that what happened here is going to change villanelle's career goals like is she going to get in trouble for offing this kid right when she was supposed to look after him and she does say management sucks um echoing dasha which by the way that's my other point i want to come back to um it's interesting to me like do we think that She's gotten a taste of management and she realizes how annoying that's going to be. And this goes back to the way that our society fetishizes management. Like if you get good enough at doing the thing that you do, your reward is you don't have to do it anymore and you have to watch other people do it. It seems very backward to me. Like the pleasure of the craft. Yeah seems to me to be something that Villanelle really responds to. And if she's going to have to step back and be a keeper, like why does she even want to be a keeper? This doesn't seem like... Unless she's trying to become a keeper so that she can have some leverage over somebody she wants revenge on. It's the only reason I can think of that Villanelle would be attracted to this life at all. Yeah, I think that the the things that make sense to me in terms of why Villanelle wants to be a keeper are, one, if she wants to get to the head of the organization for some reason that we don't know yet, right? Like, if she has either, like, she decides, like, she's going to serve up the 12 on a silver platter because it's going to be powerful, or she has a grudge. Or something like that. But the other thing is actually in, uh, of a piece with that is like, does she want to become a keeper because it's power and she's bored as like a baseline state and she just wants the new thing. Uh, and she's constantly going after the new thing and she's been an assassin. She's been in this role for a long time and it's just not that interesting to her anymore, especially not after Eve, especially if she's trying to like cope with life after Eve. Um, those are the two big reasons that make sense to me as to why she would want to escalate her position within the 12. But I think you bring up a good point of she just off to Felix. The job didn't go great. So <laughs> is she going to continue to be approved by management or did she just biff the job here? I think uh, finding out what the, what the fallout of that uh, is going to be is going to be helpful because we don't really know. I mean, the, the next thing that we see from her is uh is with Constantine back in Barcelona so we haven't really seen um 
like the the fallout from what happened in France from like Dasha's perspective, who seems uh, Dasha seemingly being uh, Villanelle's like direct handler right now. Yeah, and circling back to what I what I mentioned in passing before. Is Dasha going to be the VIP for episode titles all season? Like, this is something we track in, like, Survivor and mm-hmm. Amazing Race. Whoever gets the best quote, like, that's a person that gets a lot of screen time and they generally tend to be a beloved character. Dasha's two for two on episode titles. Yeah. Uh, she is amazing. Uh, she's a great character so far. Uh, the, the whole thing where it's like, it's good to have many lovers. Keeps you limber. Uh, like, the way she said that was tremendous. Uh, we should track that. So far, two for two. So far, title MVP goes to Dasha without any competition. Uh, we should see how it how it shakes out. Every every week, we want to check in who who gave us the title. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's an interesting thing to track. Yeah. yeah, and then we get a tantalizing hint that um, Dasha betrayed Villanelle's trust at some point. And Villanelle was so angry she wanted to kill her. So what do we think that's all about? What do we think Dasha did? Great question. Um, first of all, like, get in line, right? You know, like, yeah. how many people have wronged Villanelle, but then Villanelle still goes on to either have, like, a working relationship with or, like, a friendship with? Like, it seems like even, like, she needs Constantine and, like, and, like throws shit at him here. Um, but then they're pretty like quickly back on like decent terms. Um, so what could Dasha have done? A hard, I mean, maybe what, could it have been related to the person whose name I'm forgetting from season one, the one uh, who she had a relationship with, and then she killed in the Russian prison? Could it, oh, Irina. Could it be something related to Irina? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And I think Villanelle raises the good point that if she killed everybody that she had a grudge against, she would have nobody left to kill. <laughs> I love Villanelle so much. What a great character. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty She's pretty great. Uh, I think that that's worth putting a pin in, though. And not really a surprise. I think even without this information, I'd be on alert for Dasha to somehow have to turn on Oksana or vice versa uh, at some point down the line this season makes sense. But the fact that they already have kind of like a contentious history, uh, those alarms should be blaring for sure. Yeah. I I thought that was something that was worth pointing out. Um, I love any chance that Villanelle gets to troll young children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her screaming at the young kids was so good. Yeah, and um, telling the one young child that life is shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty on brand for Villanelle. <laughs> uh, Villanelle is one of my all time favorite characters. Uh, just incredible, absolutely incredible. Jodie Comer is just so 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 good as this character. Uh. I don't know. I don't know what this is gonna where this is gonna bring us next, but obviously Eve is back on Villanelle's mind. Uh and that was something she was desperately trying to put away. Uh and now she knows that uh Eve has survived. So uh how that's going to shake out should be fun. TBD. Gotta imagine that's a big piece of uh the the rest of the season. We just don't know what shape that's gonna take. And that would make sense too if like she screwed up the management training. That's not going to work for her. So the only thing she has left is to go back to Eve in some capacity. I hope that they're just not like re-spinning those wheels of some of the motions they've already been through on the show. I'm sure that they'll get creative, but it is a concern. We have to have a good reason to suck Villanelle back into that orbit. Yeah. Like she's not going to be happy just like training to be a suit. She needs to 
but she needs to have another reason to go back to eat. It can't just be that she wants to be there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll find out coming up next week. Episode three on the way of season three off to a really fun start so far. Uh, speaking of really fun, Jess, I know that you and uh, Mike Bloom and Rob Cesarino had some uh, shenanigans in the holodeck recently. Yes, indeed. We um, we did a maybe the dumbest and nerdiest thing mm-hmm. in a podcast network that perhaps their entire our entire stock and trade is in dumb nerdy things. We kind of we have reached the zenith of dumb and nerdy with this. Um, we staged a Brant Steel Survivor simulation <laughs> around the theme "Heroes, Healers, and Hustlers" using characters from the Star Trek universe, oh my and we god. got hella into it. Oh my god! No spoilers, but it's available. Long podcast. How how long did you guys go? We went out for nearly three hours That's talking lot, about yeah, this, and <laughs> I pretty much had to sleep on the couch when I finished <laughs> this podcast. Um, my family was not happy. Because <laughs> they were that. ashamed of you? <laughs> I, I think not just that they were ashamed of me, but that I disappeared from the family for three hours to do this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's available for people if you want to check that out. Highly recommended. Uh, lots of other things happening on Post Show Recaps. We've got uh, Better Call Saul season finale coverage is currently available for you. And Rob will be with Antonio and I doing a feedback show on Better Call Saul at some point in the not terribly distant future. Westworld podcasting still going on. Joe Garfine and I are going to be getting together Tuesday night to talk about Westworld season three, episode six. Mike Bloom and I are going to continue down the hatch. Our lost rewatch, The Long Con, coming up this week. Some Sawyer shenanigans. Some Kim Dickens. Some Kim Dickens. Getting remember. getting some Kim Dickens back on here on uh, on down the hatch. First appearance, I believe, in Lost uh, coming up for Kim Dickens. Uh, everything is super. The Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch is happening with Kevin Mahadeo and I. We're up to Iron Man two, uh, and Ken Hong from Survivor Gabon and I will be talking about the Final Fantasy seven remake with further impressions of what's going on in that game uh, as Ken makes his way through, and I have already made my way through, and I am just trying not to spoil the bejesus out of it for everybody. Hopefully, doing a decent job at that. Uh, so plenty happening on post show recaps. Uh, Jess, people can follow you on the Twitter bots. How, how can they reach you? Um, you can find me on the Twitter bots at Haymaker Hattie. And I'm at Round Howard. And of course, email us, killingeve at postshowrecaps.com. Seek us out on your podcast app of choice and subscribe to the podcast. Your ratings and reviews greatly appreciated. Our Killing Eve specific feed should be ready sometime later this week, I would guess. Uh, once we have a couple of podcasts available, that feed should be approved. So once that feed pops up, if you could subscribe, if you can give us your ratings and reviews, that's always the best uh, to make sure that we can get as many people along for the Killing Eve ride as humanly possible. Really fun show. Really fun to talk through, Jess. Anything else? Um, I just wanted to thank everybody for responding positively to the idea that we're going to be doing this and it's really been galvanizing to know that all of you are in this crazy ride with us and we'll be happy to continue bringing it to you where else do we have to go barcelona it's not an option yet clown college do they do that through zoom i don't think you can do clown college by correspondence josh it seems like a very physical mechanical kind of thing helium hijinks would work well on zoom but how could you be sure that it's not just a filter 
Yeah, that's the thing. I think that maybe the kids of today are not so into helium because they can just simulate it with an Instagram filter. Do Zoomers fuck with helium? (laughs) I don't know. It feels like this is a sentence that even a month ago would not have made any sense to me. And I'm frankly not sure it still does. All right. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. All right. We'll be back next week to talk more Killing Eve. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.